Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. We are doing our final installment of our NFL Divisional Off-Season Series. We're finishing things off with the AFC South today. We started this process months ago, way before the draft even took place, and now we are here just two short days before the NFL season starts. To help us do the AFC South today is our good friend, Ronan Summers. Ronan is the co-host of the Phantom Football Podcast. He is the Phantom Sports Industries beat writer for the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm also calling him our Midwest correspondent to get things uh, going here. Ronan, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. I'm excited to dive right into it. There were uh, a couple changes over the offseason, weren't there? There's a there's one or two one or two things have changed and uh, Ronan was obviously on our NFC West uh, rendition of this podcast so make sure to hit your your Apple or Spotify or really anywhere playlist at this point and go back and find that if you haven't already but um, Ronan is a man of the Midwest uh, from Indiana to Tennessee to uh, I'm gonna also just say go ahead and lie and say Jacksonville and uh, ten, you know. Uh, uh, let's see where are we? uh, we're going to Houston today. So I'm just going to say he goes to all those places all the time, covers all these teams. How's that sound? All the time. I yeah, mean, just... Southern Illinois, Kentucky is relatively close to Jacksonville and Houston. Last time I checked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you know, just racking up the frequent flyer miles, the the hotel points, all of that stuff. Um, get my cardio in. That's, oh gosh, get the car. You are just, we're just walking at this point for his company. Um, Let's get right into it. We're going to we're going to start kind of at the bottom, but, you know, maybe there's a little bit of hope. We're going to start with the Houston Texans. Um, As you guys know, we go by starting off with where we left off in 2021-22 with this team. So really just a miserable season for Houston last year. Obviously, they had the Deshaun Watson accusations uh, over their hanging over their head all season. Now, at least. Uh, to, I guess, partially their credit, if we wanted to give them any, they had the wherewithal just to send them home and kind of tell them to not be around for, for the whole season. Um, so that was something, but obviously something that they've still been involved in and, and dealing with for the last uh, really couple of years at this point. Um, on the field, also a disaster. They were 4-13. and 13. Uh, They hired David Culley kind of mysteriously last year, and then they fired him after a year. They have the whole Josh McCown drama where they uh, were rumored to bring him in, but then they thought it looked bad, so they didn't. But he's still like kind of hanging around. He's friends with Nick Casario. That's a whole drama with how he's taking over the team. It's really just a mess. And, and despite all that, quarterback Davis Mills, the, the rookie, came in. And, like He was actually surprisingly okay in the games that he played. He's the full-time starter now. Um it, you, you had all the mercenary signings that they had, a lot of vets with some name recognition signing one-year deals with them last year. Uh, Rona, when you think back on, you know, it's 10 years from now, you think back on the 2021-22 Houston Texans, what are you going to remember most? You know, not a whole lot. Um, Davis Mills stands out uh, whenever you think of the Texans in 2021. Uh, he kind of had that sneaky season that, he almost, you could argue that he played better than just about any rookie quarterback other than Mac Jones last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was a bright spot. <clears throat> and uh, obviously the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, 
you know, how he was originally refusing to play, which then snowballed into multiple allegations. And, you know, other than that, that's about it. You know, uh, the David Coley era probably won't be the most memorable one. Uh, I'm sure Houston fans are really hoping that's the case. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, Ronan, not not a lot to think about for, for Houston last season. So we're just going to move right on here. We're going to get into the ins and outs. We'll talk about the roster moves they made. So these will be kind of pre-draft. The, the couple stragglers kind of came in after the draft took place. But the big free agency and trade moves that took place, obviously gone from last year, our quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, defensive backs, Terrence Mitchell and Justin Reed, offensive lineman Max Sharping and, and uh, Jaron Christian, edge rusher Jacob Martin, wide receiver Chris Conley. In, we have cornerback Steven Nelson, edge rusher Rasheem Green and Mario Addison, wide receiver Tyler Johnson, offensive lineman AJ Can, and tight ends OJ Howard, or tight end OJ Howard and linebacker Jalen Reeves Maben. Um, so the Texans are, are, you know, I look at this. And I was like, what are, like, what's really going on here? It's not quite the same names as like last year, where it was Brandon Cooks, Mark Ingram, guys like that. Um, and I dug a little, just a little bit deeper and they're in cap hell, 65 million and dead money this year between guys like Sean Watson, Zach Cunningham, and a lot of other guys that they've just cut and moved on from. It should be all cleared for next season. As of right now, per over the cap, they only have like, I think like 850,000 in, in dead cap for next year. So are we going to see them kind of change this style that they've been doing? Because, I mean, Steven Nelson is a one-year deal. O.J. Howard, I believe, is also. Jalen Reese maben I believe, is also. Are we going to see them move on from this now that you that they're going to be out of this cap situation next year? Or do you think this is kind of here to stay until they become, you know, a more uh, professional-looking football team on the field on Sundays? You know, I think it could stick around. Um, whenever you have a team that lacks talent, uh, the first step is to build a culture. And I think that's what Houston's trying to do with all these signings. Now, obviously, they're one-year deals, uh, but I think it's more of just keeping their fingers crossed that one of them or a couple of them hit, and that way they can re-sign them for three years in the future, two years in the future, and kind of get the ball rolling that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they, they did get a little bit younger here with some of these moves. I mean, a guy like Tyler Johnson was a guy that, um, we thought would be pretty successful in Tampa Bay. He, fifth round pick that showed some some flash for sure. And then just never really got the trust down with Brady. So now him in here in Houston, there, there's some pieces there that, that could be interesting. But, but like you said, we'll see. It's just going to be a matter of if you can maybe find one guy that can stick around long term. Other than that, if you have good veterans in the room, at least while everything else is kind of falling apart, but guys there that can take the young guys under their wing and say, Hey man, don't worry about this. This life in the NFL, it kind of, you know, while as depressing as that sounds, at least, you know, maybe none of the young guys will stress out too much. Um, let's take a look at what they did in the draft because I, I like their draft for the most part. Obviously, uh, it, it looks a little different now than it did, on, you know, after draft weekend. Um, but I liked it overall. So they hit key positions of need and they got good players. Offensive lineman, Kenny Green. Linebacker Christian Harris, corner Derek Stingley, obviously, wide receiver John Mechie III, um, fantasy darling right now, running back Damian Pierce, and, and even safety Jalen Petrie, who, who is going to be a starter for them. A lot of these rookies are looking to make an impact early. Now, Christian Harris is starting the year on IR. 
Um, John Mechie the third obviously got diagnosed with a acute form of leukemia in the off season. So I haven't seen any kind of timetable for him, but I'm expecting him to not be there this season. Um, but I mean, Kenyon Green, even he should be making an impact at some point. He is currently backing up uh, their left guard, but I think that's more injury related. He missed a lot of time in the offseason, but it seems like he should be playing here relatively soon. But Stingley and Petrie are both, and Damian Pierce are all slated to be starters this season. Kenyon Green should be a starter very soon. Do you think we could see these rookies make an impact early or because it's kind of, you know, hey, this is Houston. Hey, there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some growing pains. Is it just going to kind of come through the wash, do you think? I think they're going to have a ton of opportunities to make an impact early. You know, it's just like you said, a lot of them are going to be starting right away. And a lot of it is just due to necessity, you know. So some of these guys are, you know, at the top of the depth chart without even taking a professional snap. Uh, but I, I'm right there with you. I really like their draft this year. Uh, Kenyon Green, I think he's, he's going to end up being an anchor uh, for the foreseeable future. You know, Christian Harris was a great pick. Uh, Derek Stingley, you know, uh, well, he went three, right? He was the kind Overall. of shock mm-hmm. of the – Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he, I think he has a really high ceiling uh, to be an efficient corner in this league. You know, John Mechie, hopefully we get to see him come back because he was he was fun to watch at Alabama. Damian Pierce, you know, he's going to be RB1 out the gate. And mm-hmm. then Jalen Petrie, that's, uh, Baylor safety, I think he has a really good opportunity and chance to uh, make some noise this season. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Coach Levy Smith, who's the first year head coach for them this season, was the defensive coordinator last year. He even said, forget if it was right before he officially got the got the head coaching job or right after. But he even said we had some things we wanted to do defensively that we couldn't because of our corners. So at the third overall pick, they specifically picked Derek Stingley. They picked him over Ahmad Sars Gardner, who went very next overall at four to New York. Um, They wanted that like feisty physical corner who who can be tough on the outside. I think they're going to utilize him to play the run. I think they're going to play the pass really tough. And and then adding Petrie behind him, a very fast defensive back who can cover a lot of ground. I think they're really defensively trying to change things, starting from the back towards the front. Obviously, a lot of these picks that we've talked about have been offensive players, but clearly defensively, that's where they want to start with, which makes a lot of sense. It's the, those are the high-value positions now on defense. It's it's edge rusher, it's corner, and then it's some kind of safety back there who, who you hope can do a number of different things or be elite in one area. Um, so I think it was very interesting that they started there. Offensively, Kenyon Green, I'm, I'm really excited for. He's the guy that actually looks better on tape than he did at something like the Combine or at Pro Days. Uh, athletically, he actually hasn't tested that well, but you watch him in the games. He pulls very well. He can get to the second level very well. So I think when he gets healthy and he finally gets in, he, he could definitely be a big, big help for this Texas offensive line who was really bad last season with Tunsil injured. And now if you're talking, you know, Tunsil's under contract still for next year. If you have Tunsil and Green next to each other on that left side, you've got this rookie running back, Damian Pierce, and you've got Davis Mills, who can actually sling the ball around a little bit. He's not just your typical, you know, third round, goofy looking quarterback who who likes to check the ball down or anything. No, he he likes to sling it a little bit. And if he eventually has 
Cooks and Mechie, hopefully, and uh, some other weapons and a running back. There's a little bit of something here. Now, I don't know about you. We're going to get into this in a minute. I don't think it's necessarily going to make an impact this season. There's still a lot of holes on this team. But, but I think we came out of this really liking the draft and really liking the direction they're headed. Um, from, from there, any more about their draft picks? And if not, what are you expecting for them this season? Because we've had some nice things to say. I do think it was notable that we only spent about 30 seconds on the like NFL roster changes, right? Like they, they didn't bring anybody in I'm terribly excited about, right? Tyler Johnson could be something. Mario Addison... Uh, I believe led the uh, Bills in sacks last season. So he's going to be a nice rotational piece. Um, AJ Can is not it at right guard, even though he's going to be the starter. OJ Howard might have a little bit of value for them in the red zone, but no one with real NFL experience gets us too excited. We're excited for where the draft picks could be other than defensive backs and, and Kenyon Green at some point, you know, what kind of impact are they going to make this season? But I think we still have pretty low expectations. I'll just put it that way for, for 22, 23 here. Yeah. So my expectations for this team, uh, well, actually I've got two jotted down and one of them is for their rookies to shine. Uh, I really liked their class and they're going to have, like I said, all the opportunities to be able to shine. Uh, the second expectation is improvement. Now that might not necessarily translate to their record. You know, it might, end up being a five or six win team. Uh, but I, I think they arguably got better, you know, uh, and I think Lovey Smith will be able to maybe get that defense and gear and at least keep games competitive. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're going to have a clear direction this year, which is nice. They, they had so much turmoil in the off season last year between uh, front office changes, coaching changes, quarterback changes then quarterback changes during the season. And, you know, it, it's always the case with, with when you have Tyrod Taylor as your backup quarterback, you know he's going to play at some point. So it's uh, even though Mills had gotten in, then you knew Taylor was going to come back and start again. Now it's very clear. Mills is the quarterback. Lovey Smith is the coach. Um, they, they bring in Kyle Allen as the backup. So you're not worried about, is this guy going to overtake the quarterback? No, you know who is leading this team. So I think that's going to help them both from a slightly record standpoint, but more just, hey, what's going on in the building? What's, what does it look like on the field? I'm with you, maybe a little bit better, five, six wins at most, um, but that'll get, help them get some nice pieces again for, for next year in the draft. Um, let's move on here to a team that I'm pretty excited for, so I might need you to help uh, walk it back a little bit for me, or you'll just stoke the fire, I don't know. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So where did we leave off? last season uh the Colts went nine and eight last year they missed the playoffs with two really bad losses to end the season um and that last loss was uh against the three and 14 Jacksonville Jaguars Carson Wentz just fell apart at the end of the season they just stopped trusting him they really started handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor uh this team was 13th in offensive DVOA and eighth in defensive DVOA last season um so so that offense really kind of trailed off and their defense was carrying them. How did you view their season last year and, and kind of that, that one year quarterback experiment that keep rolling over? How did you see last year for the Colts and Carson Wentz? You know, I thought they were going to go on a run last year. Uh, whenever it was late in the season, I mean, they were hot. And 
they had a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, special teams even. So I think you can really only view it as a failure. Uh, they were that close to the playoffs, and they just completely blew it. Uh, now, as far as the Carson Wentz experiment, that was a failure as well. Uh, clearly, they didn't make the playoffs. You know, if you trade your first-round pick for a quarterback, the expectation is to make the playoffs at the least. And, uh, you know, I think the writing was on the wall as soon it was, as it was clear that they weren't making it to the playoffs, that Carson was on his way out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there there was so much hype around the team last year, especially, um, you know, we got to week 17 and it should have been a lock. I mean, they were playing the Raiders and, and the Jaguars next and they only needed one of those wins. And really, that was that was already pretty impressive considering they started 0-3, right? Start 0-3, then, then they go 1-1, so they start 1-4 and you're thinking, what is this team? And then they kind of go on a run over the next, you know, five, six weeks, only losing one game. Um, and you think, okay, they figured it out. It took them a few weeks to get, get it together with Carson Wentz. Sean Taylor got running. Um, the defense is back doing its thing. It really should have been a team that was competing for this division. And I think it will this year. Um, but it was, it was just really disappointing, really blah. And then um, yeah, that last, <laughs> I couldn't watch the Colts Jags game in week 18 because as a Steeler fan, I was just like, so depressed. I just had to watch the Ravens game and say, we're just playing to be beat the Ravens at this point. Nothing else matters. And then it literally wasn't until after Steelers Ravens that I saw the score and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that the Colts actually lost. So really depressing stuff, but let's, let's move ahead here into why I'm a, I'm a little confident in the Colts this season. So our ins and outs, gone quarterback Carson Wentz, offensive lineman Mark Lewinsky and Eric Fisher, so two starting offensive linemen for this group, uh, wide receivers T.Y. Hill and Zach Paschal, corners Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin, safety Andrew Sandejo and George, George Odom, who kind of came on as a big guy last year, um, but in quarterback Matt Ryan, edge uh, rusher Yannick Ngakwe, safety Rodney McLeod, corner Brandon Faxon and Stephon Gilmore. Um, so obviously that's a lot of starters going out, right? That, that was a lot of names who were in the starting lineup last year, but obviously the most important thing is the quarterback change and they're bringing in former MVP, former got to the Super Bowl, Matt Ryan. Um, what do you think Matt Ryan can bring to the Colts this season? All right. Now here's where I stoked the fire a bit. I don't think a championship is out of the realm of possibility. Let's go. Uh, I I think this team could easily become the new staple ground and pound team. I know Tennessee has been that, uh, you know, Cleveland has kind of competed for it. I think this team can really take a hold of that mantra. You know, I know field general is typically viewed as a derogatory term when defining a quarterback, but sometimes that's exactly what you need. You just need someone who can take care of the football get you the first down and get points on the board. I mean, sure, a fun-to-watch, speedy, dual-threat quarterback would be fun, but the Colts didn't need that. They just needed someone who could protect the football. And I think yeah, I think this team can go really far. I love it. I love it. I, I, <laughs> if you take that team last year and everything they were doing defensively in the run game, and you just put a competent quarterback back there. 
And, and I say that part quietly because I get yelled at when I say that about Carson Wentz. But you put a competent quarterback out there and you immediately feel so much better about what's going on. Um, I'm double checking some of the raw stats from last year. And I'm like, this is the as basic as I can get on this. The, the Falcons were a horrible offense, we can say pretty confidently last year. Am I right? I mean, let's find them yeah. here in Football Outsiders. They were 28th in offensive DVOA. They were 30th in, in DVOA overall. So this was a this was a terrible team last year. Okay. Matt Ryan last season. Uh 3,968 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. Okay, interception ratio of 2.1%, touchdown ratio of 3.6%. As basic as you can get. Uh, what was this completion percentage? Let me let me get that one here for you. 67% on the dot. Carson Wentz, 62.4% completion percentage. 3,563 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1.4% interception ratio, uh, 5.2% touchdown ratio. So in terms of the numbers of number of throws he was making, a better ratio for touchdowns and interceptions. But even just the raw stats for how bad that Atlanta Falcons offense was last year um, is pretty incredible and also terrifying for for what the Colts were dealing with last year. You look at the game log for, for Wentz and the Colts last year, and by week 10, they just took the ball out of his hands. I think he only threw for over over 30 passes once in the last like eight games because they were just they were all they wanted to do was run the ball which obviously is pretty easily defended when you have Jonathan Taylor like hey with most quarterbacks you would do that but they just took the ball out of Wentz's hands man and, and now you have Matt Ryan you have so many more options um in the red zone you feel like you can throw the ball you feel like you can utilize some of the weapons that they have that they weren't using last year uh Matt Ryan's also going to be playing behind the best offensive line he's had in five or six years, probably, which is going to be really big time for him, um, even with the changes they've made at offensive line. So I'm really excited about the Colts. Uh, they're definitely, if I had to pick like a sleeper team um, for, for the AFC, that would be it because I think this team can win its division. We'll, we'll talk about the Titans here in a little bit, uh, but I think this team can be a top four seed. And then once you're in the playoffs, man, anything could happen. And Matt Ryan has shown he can win playoff games, and he's got some pieces around them. They have a good identity. They're, they're kind of built to be in the playoffs, defensive turnovers, um, good against the run, good running game, some weapons on offense. This is, I think, we'll talk about in a minute, but this is kind of the issue with them. Who, who are the weapons they're really going to is something you can question. But I am just going to throw this out here. I've never, I've never bet. I've never gone on. I'm not into sports betting because when – and I do it, I probably won't stop. So I stay away from it. But if I were going to make any sort of bet this year, I, I would always go for the long odds, right? I would always go for give me as much craziness as possible so I can put 20 bucks on it and not really think about it. Colts Eagles Super Bowl matchup. It's plus 15,000. It's plus 15. You this is why I don't do it. This is why I don't do it. Because I would, that's what I would do. That's the first, the first time I ever logged on to FanDuel on my, on my own. That was immediately what I searched out. So that's why I don't do any of that. And I'm going to exit out of that tab right now before I do it. Um, any Anything else from their moves uh, that stand out to you? Uh, like I said, that two starting offensive linemen, two starting wide receivers, the Zach Pascal time in Indianapolis obviously didn't work out. Two starting defensive backs, three starting defensive backs. Um, 
that's a lot of moves. Are, are you worried about any of that other stuff? Or does Matt Ryan just kind of solidifying that quarterback position uh, mean more than anything else to you? I'm not too worried about it. Um, you know, as far as skill position, there wasn't many notable players last year. And so, you know, the departures don't have that much weight to me, at least. Uh, I think overall, this offseason has been a major positive with the addition of Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, the key pieces of the defense are still there. And I actually think that trade of, of Rakuson for Yannick Ngakwe oh, yeah. is, is huge because, yeah, corner is a pristine position. But edge rusher is even more pristine if you're going to pick anything on defense. Well, they've um, got two corners, you know, with Gilly Lock and Kenny Moore. Yep. So, I mean, yep. I, I, I think that edge piece was kind of the, the last puzzle piece they needed uh, on that defense to really hone in. And Yannick Ngakwe, I know he's wanting to find the home, and Indianapolis seems like a really good spot for him next to DeForest Buckner. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about DeForest Buckner and what it was like when he came to the Colts. And yeah, if Ngakwe can do the same thing, I think that could be really nasty. Let's hit the draft real quick. There there wasn't too much going on here. I think coming out of the draft, I gave them a B. My you can actually still go back and see my draft grades on phantomsportsindustries.com. Um, I gave them a B. I might actually bring that down a little bit, thinking about it some more. Um, but I still like it. Here's what I really liked about it. Day two. Second round, they get Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Big fan of Alec Pierce. He was extremely productive, uh, very good size, freak athlete. I mean, the guy is just uh, insane. He measured in like the top whatever percent in every single category at the combine. Um, And he's going to be playing across Michael Pittman, which I I mean, those two, if those are your two toppers, I actually think that's a really good group. I know a lot of people aren't so sure what Pierce is going to bring this season. Uh, he saw some refinement to make, but in terms of I'm going to drop back and throw this guy the ball, it's pretty good, pretty good. So if they can find one other piece in that passing game, I think it'll be pretty good for them. Um, but after that, it was pretty quiet for them in the draft. Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia. We'll see. Uh, Bernard Raymond, tackle out of Central Michigan. That's a project. Nick Cross uh, in the third round, safety out of Maryland. Pretty good box safety. Um, not a guy that's going to be, you know, playing center field for you doing a lot of stuff, but a guy that's pretty good in the box, physical against the run. Um, and then just a lot of, you know, shots in the dark a- after that. Nothing I'm terribly, terribly excited for. What I really should have knocked them on and taken more into account was all the draft capital in this draft that they lost by trading for Carson Wentz and then having to trade him again. Um, and that's something I, I, took into account with a lot of my draft grades. So if you, you know, when, when I talked about the Raiders and trading for Devontae Adams, I gave him a boost for turning a pick in Devontae Adams, same with the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. Um, I probably should have hit the Colts a little bit for a first round pick turning into Carson Wentz. Um, but what did you think of the draft? How do you feel about Alec Pierce? You feel like they gave enough, what got enough weapons in there offensively? Um, any other pieces that you, you think they should have hit instead of kind of what they did in the draft? I like Pierce. Uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how he reacts kind of getting thrown into the fire, you know, because they're kind of lacking in the wide receiver position. So he's probably going to be that number two guy right away. 
you know, all, all it all it's really based around is chemistry and Matt Ryan. He's been around the block a few times, so I'm not too worried about Pierce. I think he's going to translate rather well uh, into the league. It might take a few games, but I think he'll get there eventually come season end. Uh, Jelani Woods, you know, that that was a pretty good pick. I mean, he's an athletic freak. Uh, you know, they needed a tight end. I mean, that maybe not need is a little bit of a strong word because they have Mo Alley-Cox. Uh, but Ryman, I liked, uh, you know, like you said, a project, but you know, that offensive line, that's probably the place to learn. I thought they did rather well in the draft. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on the draft than I think you are. Uh, Which is now, weird because I love Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce yeah. was a guy that, I mean, he went in that group with Sky Moore and George Pickens. I think they went three in a row in the second round there. I really, I really like um Alec Pierce I think just after that it just left me wanting a little more and again looking back at it and saying they didn't have a first round pick because they traded it for Carson Wentz is is tough um so that's that's what I think I'm really thinking of but if I were to grade every draft just based off of the top pick that was made I think getting Alec Pierce when wide receiver was probably their biggest position of need um is really really good but with all that you know again their, their skill position might be a little bit lacking. We'll see if Paris Campbell can finally stay healthy and take off a little bit. I think that's the big thing that they're waiting for. He's listed as a starter on their depth chart. So I think they're, they're counting on him, even though he's never really been healthy, but with all that, those ins and outs where they left off last year, how they did in the draft, what are your expectations for the Colts this season? Uh, my first expectation for the Colts this season is for them to make the playoffs. You know, they had seven pro bowlers last year and they just brought in a former MVP, you know, so I think anything lower than the playoffs is an absolute failure. And I think if they miss the playoffs again, I think they might be looking at Frank Wright next because it hasn't necessarily panned out all that well. And Ballard and Ursay are very good at their jobs and they like winning football games. So uh, my second expectation is for them to win the division. Um, you know, I think they're better on paper in a variety of ways compared to Tennessee uh, whenever it comes to quarterback, offensive line, overall defense, special teams. Uh, I think the Colts have the favor in just about all those categories. And then uh, my final expectation for the Colts is more individually based. It's Jonathan Taylor to continue tearing up the league. Uh, his skill set is so valuable to that team. And uh, if they've got to keep him healthy, but his health has to be priority number one, because if he's not going, then that offense won't be going. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think definitely division title, double digit wins. And, you know, from there, uh, we'll see. I'll hang on to that bet for a little while longer. Moving right along here, uh, I don't know what, what the appropriate highway is from, from Indianapolis to Jacksonville. So just like everything, I'll just say down 95 to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we are hitting the Jaguars, who also have had a lot of changes this offseason. So where did we leave off with them last year? 3-14, and 14, obviously, uh, worst record in the league. Eight straight losses at one point uh, before knocking the Colts out of the playoffs, embarrassingly. Uh, Urban Meyer was just a disaster from the start. You remember when their biggest issue was Tim Tebow was in training camp 
in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that sound like so nice now? Like if you had to look back and say the worst thing that'll happen in the season was that Tim Tebow was in training camp for a couple of weeks, you'd be like, you know what? That's not actually that bad, but it just got, it got so much worse from there. It, it the, got so much worse. It's so bad. The USC rumors midseason, uh, the James Robinson issues with not playing him and then he gets hurt. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence has in his own shortcomings, like a normal rookie. You're doing the hand signals, dragging me up. Um, can, here's what I want to know. Can Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars as a franchise bounce back from that embarrassment of a season or is this going to kind of like set the tone for the next few years? Like, did they get off on such a bad foot that they're not going to be able to kind of reclaim any hope or was this just going to be like a slight misstep? It was already going to be his rookie year anyways, there are going to be some issues and they'll be able to kind of shake loose from it pretty easily. I don't think they have any other choice, but to bounce back. I mean, after how much of a firestorm that was and how many things went wrong other than week 18, you know, uh, I think with Peterson coming in there, I think, you know, he, he's a little bit of a calmer head than uh, Urban Meyer, mm -hmm. you could say. And uh, I think he'll be able to give Trevor Lawrence an actual NFL experience. So... Honestly, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the stats don't look great, but he did show improvement throughout the season last year. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he went into it with the gunslinger mentality and paid for it early. And then he was able to, throughout the season, learn from his mistakes, hit his checkdowns, and kind of go for what the defense was giving him. So I, I, I don't know if it'll be a winning record, but I can, I definitely expect the Jags to bounce back this year. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Lawrence definitely looked better by the end of the season. I mean, he had seven of his 17 interceptions in the first three weeks of the of the year, um, and then and then he had four of them uh, against Tennessee in week uh, 14 there. So if you cut, I mean, those like just that number in half. I mean, that's. 11 of his 17 interceptions in four games. So it's not like he was just a turnover machine. It, it is clearly something about either certain defenses got him or teams knew how to game plan for him and, and the team. And um, that, that aspect of always feeling like he needed to kind of mount the comeback. Right. And then you start forcing things and it's, as uh, Keanu Reeves said, it's like quicksand and, you know, it just all goes down here. Do you know that movie? Have Do you know the replacements? I don't. Oh my I'm not gosh. a movie watcher. Young, I'm a serious young people, guy. Young people. I'm a serious guy. Man. I'm yeah, gonna send I mean, you the probably movie. I'm gonna I don't send, have the attention span for it. Oh my gosh. How what's the runtime? Sorry, everybody. I have to do this right now. Uh the replacements runtime. So let me just let John me give Wade. you uh, see John Wick. Uh it's less than two hours. You'll be fine. You're gonna watch this movie. All right. Any given Sunday is two hours and forty-five minutes. No way. Wow. Um, anyways, sorry, guys. Uh, generational gap here a little bit. I clearly have to <laughs> coach Ronan up for the next time. Maybe we'll do a movie review next time you come on. Maybe we'll just. Okay, there we go. Um, I completely lost where we are. But Trevor Lawrence, yeah, if if, if they can have a, just a normal, I think, season and, and you know, there, there's some new bodies in who we'll talk about in a minute 
just to make him feel like he's not in this completely by himself. And I think Doug Peterson, I mean, he's the quarterback whisperer, right? That's the whole thing. He, he made Carson Wentz, you know, look like he an MVP. Um, and he, I think it's just going to draw up a much better offense and, and put things in place that are going to keep things simple. Uh, and they have professional players in there with Lawrence. Now they have a whole new skill group, basically. Um, I think this is going to be a much better season. This is also a team I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Not, I'm not looking up their Super Bowl odds on FanDuel or anything, but uh, it's just a team I generally feel pretty good about. So let's go over those ins and outs. I mentioned uh, some of the moves they made. Gone offensive lineman Andrew Norwell and Brandon Linder, who who retired this uh, offseason. Linebacker Miles Jack uh, and Damian Wilson. Wide receivers Lavishka Chanel and DJ Chark. Uh, Defensive lineman Malcolm Brown. uh, Another wide receiver Laquan Treadwell. Uh, edge rusher job award. So there's a lot of wide receivers. They completely overhauled their wide receiver room. I think at 41 drops last season, if I remember correctly. Um, they brought in edge rusher Arden Key from uh, from San Francisco. Wide receivers Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff and linebacker Foye Luwakan, uh, as well as tight end Evan Ingram and corner Darius Williams. So that's actually, that's a pretty good haul there. That sounds a lot better than really even the last two groups we talked about in terms of as a whole, the number of guys they brought in. Um, I know everyone right now is focusing on, hey, how much money did they spend this season? What was the guarantee amount? Um, Did they really give Christian Kirk that much money? But the way I look at it now is, yeah, okay, that's all true. Are they going to pay for that in two or three seasons? Sure. If some of these guys get cut or don't work out, are they going to regret it with the dead cap? Yeah, probably. But the point is this year, they have better players than they had on their team last year. And once the kickoff happens on Sunday, nothing else is going to matter. They're not going to care what, you know, the money's already spent. The money's going out. The, the, the books are already kind of on that weekly deposit train. It doesn't matter. What does matter is Christian Kirk is going to run good routes and Zay Jones is going to catch passes and Brandon Sheriff is going to block guys and put them on their butt. Um, How do you view the roster moves with with that in terms of, is this team better now and will the payoff be worth it? I guess in the end, you know, I kind of align with you. I think they made the necessary moves. Uh, You know, I know Christian Kirk was considered an overpay, but you have to understand that there's a tax to play for a bad team, you know, and uh, now, obviously, he's the number one there, which mm-hmm. is a little bit worrisome because, mm-hmm. you know, he was second, third option in uh, Arizona. You know, Evan Ingram has a chance to uh, revive his career. You know, he had the kind of lackluster stint in New York. Uh, everybody thought, you know, this is his year. He's going to he's going to pop off. He's going to. And it just never happened. Um Darius Williams, you know, the old L.A. Ram. There you go. I think uh, he'll have plenty of chances to make a name for himself. You know, he's pretty much what I, he's cornerback one, isn't he, on that roster? So. Yep. That. Yep. Yeah. So he's going to have plenty of opportunities to get thrown at, I'm sure. Uh, Aluakun uh, or Aluakon, mm-hmm. he had a very good season last year uh now obviously it was behind a not so great defense so you know how many of those tackles you know were him you know actually performing well or how many of them were 
you know, just you get it. But I think they improved their offense enough to be competitive. Yeah, I think the offensive line is going to be pretty good this year. We'll talk about the draft in a minute, but um, they go get their next center. They uh, Brandon Sheriff, I think, is going to bring a lot to this group, even if he has some injuries like he inevitably will. The games he's in, it's going to make a big difference. And he's going to play next to Jawan Taylor, who's a talented right tackle, but a guy that's pretty inconsistent. Um, playing next to Brandon Sheriff instead of, you know, some of the guys that he's played next to over the last couple of years is going to be a big, big advantage. And and again, just the wide, I mean, the wide receivers are different. Now, DJ Chark was hurt last year. I still like DJ Chark. But LaVishka Chanel just never really became what everyone wanted him to become, kind of a Debo Samuels light in terms of snaps out of the backfield and arounds and making plays as a route runner. Um, it just nothing ever really clicked. And there were there were a lot of times for Lawrence last year where uh, the wide receivers just weren't helping him out. And, and you you have to do everything to help out the young quarterback, whether you're a position player, a coach or a general manager. So I think they, they have a much better group in place to do that from a coaching standpoint and talent standpoint. Defense, yeah, it's probably just about a wash. I mean, Aluakon is a different player than a Miles Jack. Jack is a guy who plays north-south, gets behind the line of scrimmage, um, is tough against the run. Aluakon is more of a sideline to sideline, I'm going to clean up um, kind of guy, which is important. There's a role for him. I mean, he led the league in tackles last year. So obviously, like, he's at least good at that role. I think two years ago, he had a couple interceptions in the season as well. So he has the potential to play against the pass. Um, Darius Williams, I'm excited. I'm excited might be too high of praise. I'm interested to see what the defensive backs this year look like. Um, Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, Shaq Griffin. Those are your top three corners. That's not a bad place to be. You know, you can think of a worse group. Um, now again, how, and considering that I like their linebackers, I like some of their defensive linemen, if that rush and pressure go hand in hand, like we always say, it might, it might be okay. I think defense is, is where they're going to kind of need some, some step up to happen. Because remember, we have Travis Etienne. He's going to be healthy this season. And, and at some point this season, we might even get James Robinson back healthy. If we have both those guys and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, at least as a receiver, um, and Marvin Jones Jr., uh, there, there's some stuff to work with there. And, and I do like uh, the offensive line, actually, a little bit. Um, Let's move on to the draft here. It was a pretty good draft. I think I gave them a B minus at the time. And that's just because that first overall pick, it means so, so much. And Trayvon Walker, I think, is going to be solid. I think has a chance to be very good. Um, but there's a lot riding on that pick. And, and if he just ends up being a, a decent cleanup linebacker or defensive end and good against the run, and you think that's what I did with the first overall pick. You, you, you're not too excited about that. It feels like a little bit of a waste. Um, but they traded back into the first round for Devin Lloyd, which I do like. Uh, Chad Muma and Luke Fortner in the third round are, are great picks. Um, even their day three picks, uh, while a little underwhelming in terms of, you know, oh, I would have liked to see a different name there. Two of those guys made the 53-man roster and the third guy's on the practice squad. So it's guys that stuck around and they're, they're still excited about it at this point, which is a pretty good sign. Um, I didn't love the draft at the time just because I'm worried about Trayvon Walker. 
but I do give them points for everything else they did. And, and I think that is at times just as important, just maybe not when it's the first overall pick. What did, what did you think of their draft? What did you think about the Trayvon Walker pick? Because at the end of the day, you almost wonder, should they have just gone with, with an offensive lineman, right? If he, if they, they weren't going to, if they don't end up with the defensive player who gets 10 sacks in his second year, or they don't get the, uh, obviously they didn't need to get a quarterback, but they don't get a, a defensive back who gets a bunch of interceptions. Should they have just gone with a top offensive lineman? That's the question I'm having. And it's going to take time to really find the answer. But what did you think of the draft? I didn't hate it. Uh, now, the Walker over Hutchinson pick didn't sit well with me at the time. You know, but time will tell. Uh, there are two, you know, a little bit different players. Yeah. So, uh, trading up for Lloyd was a good move. Uh, I'm with you on that. It, it kind of seemed in that draft that they were looking for cornerstone pieces on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. at least taking shots in the dark. And uh, you have to respect that because you know, Jacksonville, I kind of referenced it earlier with Houston, they're kind of in that limbo where they're looking for a culture. And, uh, you know, you, you've seen like a team like the Lions kind of adopt that mentality of first we need a culture and mm-hmm. then, you know, build off of that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Jacksonville's heading in the right, uh, the right way, though. Yeah, I really like when teams kind of pick and choose. You can and you can see clear, clearly. Okay, this is what we're gonna do in free agency. This is what we're gonna do in the draft. Um, I think that's a good way to kind of manage your assets. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers often do both, so they'll double dip, which is really smart in a lot of ways. Like I get it, and I'm also sitting there like, and, and of course, when you're a team like the Steelers or the Rams, or the even the Ravens, like really good teams with good rosters, you can afford to do that because you don't have 10 holes you have to fill in one offseason, right? Um, but if you're a team like Jacksonville, or Houston, or the Lions, someone that has a lot of holes to fill every season because your players aren't very good, okay, in free agency, we're going to hit offense. In the draft, we're going to hit defense. And, and then next year, we'll flip-flop it. That way they we have a steady infusion of youth that's all coming in and we have our focus somewhere uh, instead of it feeling a little haphazard. Now, maybe that's just something aesthetically I like out here from the outside and it's not uh, quite as important on the inside of the stadiums, but it is something I at least like to see because, um, yeah, offensive line and wide receivers, they went in free agency. They're like, we can't do rookies with these positions here. We need these guys to be ready-made NFL players. And defensively, We've had a lot of turnover with defensive players over the last few years, right? Jalen Ramsey wanted out. Miles Jack is now gone. Um, multiple defensive linemen have been kind of in and out. And Ngakwe was a Jacksonville Jaguar. So, like, we're seeing talented players leave this defense. Let's find some young guys that we can get in, get in early, help them find their way, and, and hope to build on. Because, you know, we, we mentioned Foya Luakon isn't really a north-south uh a linebacker, he's not going to get behind the line of scrimmage. You add Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, those guys are going to get behind the line of scrimmage and make some plays. Now, if you have those guys working together as inside linebackers, that's a pretty good group. Um, so so there there is a lot there. There is a lot I like. Um, and, and we'll just see if they can kind of, you know, capitalize on it. Uh, for the Jags, for you this season, um, what are your expectations? Do you, do you think they're going to make a big leap, a little leap? What do you think about Trevor Lawrence this year? How do you think it's going to go? 
I expect them to be competitive, but not quite over the hump. Um, the AFC, we've talked about it all off season. Mm-hmm. It's loaded. And it's going to be very tough for them to get into that playoff conversation uh, to win the division. You know, I think we're pretty high on the Colts and then we'll get to the Titans in a bit, you know, but the, the cars are stacked against them. Uh, but I think that they're going to improve. Now, I also think Trevor Lawrence is going to drastically improve, uh, at least st- statistically. Uh, year two is whenever those quarterbacks kind of learn the NFL, you know, a little bit more comfortable and are able to ease into, you know, weeks a little bit more. So uh, I see Lawrence having a very, very good season. I don't know. You know, maybe not as great, you know, on par with like Joe Burrow last year. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was relatively similar. Yeah, I think the number one thing we need to see, I'm with you, is Trevor Lawrence make a big jump. And I, and I do think he will. I think he has the time. I think he has the situation now. But this is one of those things where it's, yeah, it's year two. We got you some receivers. We got you some offensive linemen. We got you a better coaching staff show us why you're the first overall pick and he doesn't have to be the best guy in the league, but I think he definitely needs to make that leap from, wow, there's a lot of rookie mistakes here to, okay, no, this guy's it. This is, we can keep building around this guy. Um, schedule wise is tough. I, I said on our, uh, on the Phantom football podcast, which you can find on Apple and Spotify um, that I think this team could have the team, the season we want the lines to have where they win you know, maybe seven games and they're kind of in the playoff hunt all the way through the season. And I think if everything hits right, that's still true. I still believe that. But they do play the AFC West this year and the NFC East. So that means not only all those juggernauts in the AFC West, but they also have to play the the Eagles. They have to play the Cowboys. Um, they're, they're playing the Lions as well. They're playing the Ravens as well. Um, so they're, there's not too many easy games on their schedule i mean the first seven games here commanders colts chargers eagles texans colts giants and then follow that up with broncos raiders chiefs all before their bye week that could only be three wins that could be like three and seven pretty easily and and you wouldn't necessarily even feel bad about it and it's just like yeah man you played a lot of really good teams so my my seven win idea it could be kind of tough, but you know what? We'll we'll hang on to it. We'll hope for the best. Um, but I do expect Trevor Lawrence to make a jump. I think that's the most important thing you can see from this team this season. We've touched on him a little bit. Let's have the conversation now. The the very tricky Tennessee conversation with the Titans. So where did we leave off last season? The Titans were twelve and five. They were the number overall team, number one overall team in the AFC. Um, but only scored 16 points in that divisional loss to the Bengals in what was really an ugly, ugly game. Um, Fans, media, critics, they all were waiting for the Titans to fall apart last season. They thought last season was going to be it for them. Um, And they just kept winning and winning and winning. They won six games in a row in the middle of the season against the the Jaguars, who we just mentioned, but then the Chiefs, Colts, Rams, and Saints. Uh, So they had some really big wins there in the middle of the year when I think everyone – was like, okay, maybe maybe they'll win some games this season. But you look at the stats, they were just 20th in DVOA, 20th on offense, 12th on defense. 
were they for real at any point last season, Ronan, or were they always kind of a house of cards and we were just waiting for them to fall apart? You know, the kind of football they play is timeless, you know, uh, and whenever you're running an offense like that, you can win at any time in any game, whether that be preseason or the Super Bowl, you know. So if you can consistently run the ball, you're as good as gold. And this team can really only go as far as Derrick Henry takes them. You know, uh, their defense is good, but it's not in that top tier conversation. Uh, which is usually necessary if a team is going to rely so heavily on the run. Uh, You know, as soon as Henry went out, you saw it uh, just kind of the life slowly being depleted. They weren't a bad football team by any means. I mean, they still won games, yeah, but they were not the same juggernaut number one seed uh, that they were early on in the season. Yeah, and you could really just – you could feel the change all season, really. Once Arthur Smith was out of there, offensive coordinator uh, during Ken Hill's first few years with Tennessee, who's now the head coach in Atlanta, could really feel that uh, it was just a little more of a slog with the offense, right? So let's talk about some of those roster changes that have happened. Um, gone offensive lineman David Questenberry and Roger Saffold, wide receivers Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Chester Rogers. Linebackers, Rashawn Evans and Jason Brown. Corners, Janoris Jenkins and Chris Jackson. A couple tight ends as well. Uh, in, they brought in Austin Hooper. Uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. at the corner. Wide receiver, Robert Woods. Offensive lineman, Dennis Daly, was just a recent trade acquisition they made around cutdown time. And DeMarco Jones. Um, everyone is worried that this is the season the Titans fall apart. Their offensive and the, or their offense and their offensive line definitely took some hits to an offense that was already ranked 20th in DVOA last season. So um, they were really needing every bit of what they had to kind of ma- maintain just that. And and it obviously doesn't look as talented as it did last year. I mean, just a flat out question with these roster moves: Is Tennessee done? Is this kind of the end of what we were seeing um, for the last couple of years for them? You know, I think done is a bit of a stretch, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely going to be a climb back to that number one seed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let alone win the division. So I think if Henry can stay healthy and the offensive yep. line can just get some sort of consistent blocking for him and just, you know, in general, I think they have a, at least a chance to be in the playoff conversation. Now, this whole AFC is, as we've said, loaded. So if they're not winning the division, it is going to be a struggle making it into the wild card because there are, you could probably argue 10 teams that have a roster deserving to make the playoffs. So this Tennessee team is really going to have to anchor down and win some games. Yeah, it's so weird to be talking about a team like this who literally has the same head coach they have the same quarterback. They have the same number one offensive player on their team from last year and Derrick Henry. So it feels really, really strange to be like so worried about this all of a sudden, right? But with that style of play, with the hard nose, with the running game, it is just a war of attrition, right? And we saw it a little bit last year. So even if there's a little bit of a falter to Henry or any part of that offense, 
you feel like that efficiency is going to go way down for me. And, and you mentioned the offensive line. I'm actually pretty worried about the offensive line now. I just went and double checked. They just the Titans actually just in the last few hours have updated their their actual website. Um, I guess they released their unofficial depth chart yesterday, but on their actual website, they just released their starters on their offensive line. Um, Taylor Luan uh, at left tackle, who had a rough year last year. Uh, ben Jones is back at center, so that's good. Nate Davis is uh, at right guard, not bad. Um, Nicholas Petit Frere, draft pick, who we'll talk about in a minute at right tackle. Aaron Brewer is their left guard. Um, I'm a little worried about that. You're going from Roger Saffold, who's this hulking 6'5", 320-pound guard who can get on the move, run, hit, do everything. Perfect Tennessee Titan offensive lineman. And you're going to Aaron Brewer, who is like 6'1". He was like 275 when he came to the NFL two years ago. Um, I think reports out of training camp this year was he got up close to 300 pounds, but you're just, you're giving, you're coming back down so far in terms of that size and just grit and strength that Tennessee plays with. It's, I mean, Tennessee is very old school that they want just big dudes who are fast and strong and hit hard. And it's not that hard to kind of figure out what they like. And, and Aaron Brewer, obviously has stuck for a reason. But that just makes me nervous, and I really wanted actually um, Dylan Radunes to play guard for them this season. He played a little guard last year. He played a lot of tackle. Um, when Petit Frere was drafted, I was so sure that I meant Radunes was just going to immediately become the left guard, and we were we weren't going to look back. And I was like, okay, these are big physical guys, and, and I'm a little worried. So I am I'm concerned about that offensive line drop off, but I do like that Petit Frere actually did win the starting job there at right tackle um I think you but I do think you're right I don't think we're gonna get this like massive fall off where they win like five or six games this year I think that's that's crazy very variable is too good of a head coach they have too many of those pieces still in place even with some injuries on defense um which we'll talk about but the, the pieces are there they've drafted well over the years and yeah if Henry is even 80 percent of you know healthy Derrick Henry it's still a really, really good football player. And and even without having a, an elite offensive line, should still be able to make some things happen. So I alluded to their to their draft a little bit. So we're going to hit that now. Um, I gave him a really high draft grade at the time. I gave him an A-. minus. I gave him one of my top draft grades from the whole draft because, because of that process. Now, it's four months later, five months later, and... You could feel a little bit differently. You, this is why, like, draft Twitter and draft nerds and and what actually happens on a football field and, and GMs and, and tape themes and all that stuff, like, can butt heads at times because we have this situation here. Like, let's go with the 18th overall pick, Traylon Burks, where at the night of the draft, while for Philly, I love the, you know, getting in A.J. Brown for your young quarterback who needs – a weapon over the middle of the field for Tennessee. I was like, Hey, this is great. You know, go, you have an experienced quarterback. You like to run the ball anyways, trade the wide receiver. You're about to have to pay big money to and go get his replacement. Traylon Burks who's like the exact same dude. Go for it. Um, I thought that was great. That's awesome process. And now five months later, Burks hasn't had a great off season. He's been injured. He has been out of practice. He's been out of games. 
we're a little worried. He's a little behind the eight ball. He is behind Nick Westbrook Aquino on the depth chart. Not a great place to be for your 18th overall pick at a position that is normally very productive and involved uh, in in their rookie season. So I don't love that, um, but I did love it at the time of the draft. Roger McCreary, second round pick. Still love that one. I really like that. What this team has done at corner in the last two to three years of the draft, when a few years ago this was kind of their their big sticking point on defense, is really, I mean, they have Roger McCreary. Uh, they have Caleb Farley. They have Elijah Molden. I really like those three young corners there. Um, and then the rest of the way for their draft, like I mentioned, uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere, their round pick, he's going to be a starter for them. Um, I think he could play right tackle. I think he could even play left tackle next year if you have to move on from, from Taylor Luan. Obviously, the quarterback, Malik Willis, uh, I think that to get him all the way in the third round when we were talking about him, as a top 10 pick before the draft, um, I think is really great. And he can play this exact style of offense, this scrambling quarterback play action pass kind of thing. They, he can absolutely do that. And then they go get some nice weapons kind of in, in the rest of the draft there. Hassan Haskins, um, Chigazin Makwanu, and, and Kyle Phillips are guys that can maybe provide a little bit of spark to this offense that is missing it. Um, for this draft, because it, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a depth draft right now. Not too many of these guys are high on the depth chart right now. Um, do you think this is a draft we kind of just have to be patient with and say, okay, after Tannehill, you know, and kind of in the next era of Titans football, that's when we'll see these guys. Or do you think this draft could be either good right now or even just kind of disappointing right now? I think Traylon Burks is obviously the headliner for that. I think we still need to be patient. Um, yeah. You know, Burks, I think we'll see more and more of him as the season goes on. Uh, now, as far as trading A.J. Brown, I didn't love that move. Um, I understand it, but I didn't love it. But I think with them getting Robert Woods, that made it a little bit easier for me to see the justification and getting or trading him away and, you know, getting a younger guy. Uh, I was a little bit worried on what they would do, uh, you know, with, with that whole situation. Yep. But I, I see what they're doing. You know, now as far as Malik Willis, I think everybody knew he'd need time to develop, you know. So we, ha I think we have a whole another year to get into that conversation, and mm -hmm. you know, before, uh, you know, whether or not that pick was a bust, you know, maybe even two years, you know, with depending on how good that offense looks. Uh, not every draft is going to be a home run, but I still feel like it's definitely too early to tell. Yeah, I mean, if you get – I know there, there are two schools of thought with quarterback, right? It's take a quarterback whenever and wherever you can because eventually one is going to hit. And then there's some that's, hey, if you're not getting one of the top couple guys in the first round, like why bother? Um I'm definitely, especially when you have a guy kind of already in place, I'm definitely in the, hey, just go get another one, man. Just go for it. I think I feel that way about most positions in the draft. Um, but you just never know when you're going to need another one, right? And especially for the situation the Titans are in, this was the perfect time. And I think for all these teams in the draft this season, I don't think anybody was planning on taking quarterback except for Pittsburgh, obviously. Um, 
But when you're staring at Malik Willis there in the third round, you're just like, dude, I just got to do it. So I don't think they'll have any issues. However, whenever, wherever he plays, I think that one's always going to look pretty good. I think Burks is going to end up being fine. Um, that The wide receiver position is just, you expect them to hit the ground running now for these last couple of seasons. And that's definitely kind of where I am with it. When I come around to draft time, I'm always like, just get the next wide receiver, get the next one. Um, now, remember, even just last year, we were worried about Jamar Chase in training camp because he was talking about catching the ball without the white stripe on it. We, you know, he wasn't, he was having drops in practice and, and all this stuff. So we just kind of have to wait and see what Sundays look like, I think. Um, but it, it gives me a little bit of pause, but I think McCreary being there, Petit Frere being a starter, Malik Willis probably being in the running for a starter next year. Um, and then, yeah, give Burks a couple of weeks. Uh, he's really only competing. I mean, really only should be competing with Robert Woods in terms of who's getting the most targets on the team. Um, but yeah, him being behind Nick Westbrook again, just makes me a little bit nervous with all that. I mean, what, what are your expectations for this team? We kind of talked about uh, a slight regression, but maybe not what everyone else is thinking, but what do you think is going to happen for, for Tennessee this season? You know, I think King Henry is going to return back to form. Uh, this was a dude who was leading the league in rushing yards weeks after he was placed on IR. <laughs> right. Right? So, you know, barring another injury, you know, I see King Henry going back and uh, reclaiming his throne. I, I expect to see this team continue surprising people. You know, uh, we've kind of talked down on them, you know, throughout uh, well, the past, you know, however, 10 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, this was a team that made the number one seed with, I forget how many active players. Do you remember what the number was on that? How many players total they went into games with Gosh, different no. players? It I think it was a, in like was the eighties or nineties. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I don't think Vrabel is necessarily getting the amount of uh, respect he may deserve, you know, yep. uh, and this was a team that dealt with adversity last year really well. Mm-hmm. Now, now, obviously the playoffs didn't go well for them, but you know, all in all, I think this is a very, uh, it's a sturdy team that, uh, that can definitely make the playoffs, you know, if all goes well. Uh, and my final expectation for the Titans, uh, is for the media to stir the pot in favor of Malik Willis. You know, I think come the end of the season, you know, let's say maybe they're 500. It's not necessarily looking all that well. I could definitely see a uh, a firestorm or a, a revolution on Twitter uh, fighting for Malik Willis to finally get that start over the uh, not so – Tannehill wasn't all that excited to uh, become the oh, uh, teacher, the mentor. Oh, Ryan Tannehill. You had a good run, buddy. You had a good run. Um <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I'm with you. This team isn't gonna free fall, and it feels like we've been waiting for them to fall before they even really got to where they are today. I mean, really, they these two dominant years of Derrick Henry, right? He he had a couple of good years before that, but the two big dominant years for him have really been the only years that they were like really where they're at right now. It's really just been these last three seasons, and that's been the seasons with Tannehill there. But it feels like we've just been, as soon as they came about, 
we were just like, okay, when are they done? When are they done? When are they? And it's because it's not this brand of exciting football. It's not the Chiefs throwing the ball everywhere. It's not Justin Herbert. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's just like, we're going to run the ball. We're going to be mean on defense. And we're going to have a quarterback that is smart and takes care of the ball. And I guess we're just not excited about that. I'm fine with it. They're kind of, they're Pittsburgh South, I call them. They play the exact same way, which is why they always fight on the field. Um, it's why they're always making everybody mad on defense and standing on the the logos and, and just doing all that stuff. They end up with every Steelers linebacker that becomes a free agent. They just got a third one. Um, it, and, you know, so I at least appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this team's ever going to, like, fall through, you know, a giant hole out of nowhere, right? This is going to be a eight to ten win team. They'll compete for their division. They'll compete for a playoff spot, which will be tough in the AFC, but it's not impossible, that's for sure. All right, Ronan. Well, that was it. That was all four teams. Uh, real quick, give me a uh, one through four. How are these guys going to finish here? All right, I'm going to go Colts one, Titans two, Jaguars three, and Texans four. Yeah, I think that's Same pretty – yeah, that's that's exactly where I have it. It'll be interesting to see how exactly they all fare, but I think uh, if it's anything but that, I'll be I'll be pretty surprised. Um, anything else? Any other notes on the AFC South before we get out of here? I don't believe so. I think we covered the majority of it. Yeah, I think we got it. All we have left to do now is sit and wait. So uh, when this goes up, it'll officially be the 2022-2023 NFL season. Uh, hopefully you are listening to this and either gearing up for the Thursday night game or, or some games this weekend. And um, everybody, we really appreciate you being here. We, everybody who's listened to all eight of these NFL divisional uh, previews or reviews, I really appreciate it. Um, if you're getting, if you like the NFL this much that you're listening to this much conversation about it and you're not already go tune into the Phantom football podcast uh, Phantom Sports Industries flagship NFL show with myself, Ronan Summers, and of course our buddy Benjamin Parker. Um, really appreciate everybody being here. Quick programming note: um, no Simon Short podcast next week. We're taking a little week off here, giving the whole you know staff and crew a, a nice little vacation for a week. Uh, you know they they work really hard, so uh, we're just taking a little break next week. Um, but we'll be back coming to you uh, just two weeks from now and round out September. We'll get right back to it. Um, so thank you guys very much. Ronan, thank you so much for being here, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope your staff and crew have an amazing week off. Oh, you know, they just they really deserve it. I ride them hard. It's a it's a tough gig. Um, but you know, I pay them really well, fortunately. So they're, so they're in a good spot. Yeah. But, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Simon Short podcast. Have fun and be safe out there.